Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Today's Locked On NFL is brought to you by Built Bar. With promo code Locked On, you can get $10 off your first box of Built Bars. And Matt, you know, as a parent, you don't get bye weeks, right? Look at the schedule tie in here. You don't get bye weeks. So what do you need? You need energy, protein, low sugar snacks like Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and build your own box. Uh, Yes, schedule release. The 2020 schedule is out and... The NFL is treating it like they're going to play all 256 games as scheduled. We'll talk about those biggest matchups, some of the games we like, some highlights of the initial release of the 2020 schedule, and if it looks like it's easy, and I don't know if it is, to move some games around if for, you know, and hopefully not the case, but if they do have to move some games and they're not able to play everything as scheduled this NFL season. Also, Matt, your top 10 defenses in the NFL. If you missed the offenses, go back to Wednesday's show. We're going to talk NFL defenses, who has the best defense in the league, according to Matt Williamson. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. And of course, you can find this show and all of the podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network on all of your favorite podcast apps. Tell a friend their team is covered daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, Matt, let's talk 2020 NFL schedule and let's get the uh, you know the elephant in the room is what if this season can't start on time what if things are weird and I think that uh, we had heard rumors before the schedule dropped that it was going to be the first four games were those out of conference games and it didn't quite happen that way in fact most teams are starting with an in division rival which to me starts to make things a little bit more difficult because I can see how it could get lopped in half somehow, but it's going to be really hard, I think, to move things around without just adding more weeks to the end of the season and moving all the games there. Yeah, and we touched on this, but what I was told, or people at least inferred, was that first month of the season, the first four games, would be your four out-of-conference games. And it's not at all the case. I mean, there are some, but it's not like it's set up I thought it was going to be a setup for non-conference, two that are based on where you landed in your division, and then you'd have 10 more that would be scattered throughout your six um, divisional games and the four games within the rival division in your conference. Well, it's not like that at all. <laughs> I mean, so, I, I mean, I don't know how you would go about moving things, and it's easy for me and you to say, oh, yeah, we'll just play – all the AFC North, NFC East games the first month. But you you need facilities and hotels. I mean, there's much logistics to all this as opposed to just we're going to play wherever we want, whenever we want. Yeah, I heard beat writers talking about how this day would be them calling every hotel and getting everything booked up and getting all their flights and travel plans ready for the season. And they're not doing that now, at least for the early half of the season. There's one thing that's obvious that the league has planned for, and that was the week two games, all the opponents have the same bye week. So they can move week two's games to all of the bye weeks, right? But that doesn't help you play a 16-game schedule. You're not going to just... You're not just going to move one week and then still play without bye weeks, right? That that doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't either to me. And, I mean, I'm a football analyst. I analyze football. I don't analyze this stuff. But I've said on these this podcast eight million gajillion times, teams tell you what they think of their team by the moves they make. 
And this seems to tell me that the NFL, and I'm not trying to get, you know, put optimism in our listeners' minds, but this seems to me that the NFL thinks they're playing a 17-week schedule. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've heard, I think it was Schefter. I don't remember who it was. Somebody was talking about how they could move things around and they were talking about, okay, you move all the week two games to all the bye weeks. And then week one, you add that to the end of the season. So that could buy you two weeks theoretically. Okay. But then again, that's feasible. But then again, there's no buy. I don't think teams are going to be cool with just saying, okay, we, we had two extra weeks at the beginning that were lopped off the schedule. And now we are going to play a marathon season with no buy. And then you still have to move the Super Bowl, right? Because you 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 had added, uh, you took away divisional playoff round and, and had to move that around. So, right. I mean, uh, or I at least you, all the postseason get bumped back a week in that scenario. In fact, in that scenario, you would you you could still keep the Super Bowl, use that extra week before the Super Bowl as that buffer week, move the first or the yeah the first three rounds of playoffs back one week. So you would have a block of nineteen straight with no breaks at all, no. No, uh, no bye week and no week before the Super Bowl. So that's yeah, I, I can't see that happening. It just player safety and th- so uh, basically, if I mean it's it's obviously not ideal, right? Of course, but nothing is in these times. And if one year the the, the players didn't get their bye, and that's the worst thing that came out of it. I mean, I'm thinking worst case scenario stuff. They really don't have a whole lot of room to complain. They could have not had a season at all and not gotten any paychecks. But I guess, I mean, the more I, I pulled up the schedule grid, that's my favorite way to look at the schedule, just a total grid, you know, on, on an Excel spreadsheet. And there are no buys in the first four weeks, which is unique. I guess that's the logic of we at least have some flexibility in that first month and can move them to the bye weeks, like you said. But here's a little interesting note you're going to like. I bet you didn't think of. I just read it before I came on here. There's two week 13 buys, which never happens. It's the Bucks and the Panthers. And that is often the case fantasy playoff week. So oh. you might have McCaffrey, Evans, Godwin on a bye in week oh, one of your no. fantasy league. <laughs> you, can't, you can't draft those guys, right? Right, right. I mean, that hurts you pretty bad. I mean, if oh. I, don't have, I have McCaffrey for 12 weeks and I don't get him in the playoffs for week one, yikes, the first pick overall. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that (laughs) angle. Oh man. Might want to keep that on the down low out there, folks. If you're listening to this podcast, I mean, I'm sure it'll get covered by all the fantasy people eventually over the summer when people start doing fantasy drafts. But yeah, that, uh, wish it was the Jags and the Jets, not (laughs) the Panthers and Bucks. Right. Oh man. That's that hurts (laughs) those folks that already own maybe Christian McCaffrey and a keeper and not going to get them in the playoffs. That's rough. Yeah, yeah. So it's something to keep notice. If your if your playoffs start at week thirteen, they might have two teams sitting it out. Yeah, honestly, if, if I was the commission of a fantasy football league, I think I just moved the playoffs back, right? Because at some point, it's pretty obvious that things could get moved around anyway. I guess, but I mean, it's going to be a crazy year. How about one this? more example? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How about this? Just real quick. This isn't a fantasy football show. What would you rather have? Currently, how it is, where you might not get someone like Christian McCaffrey in the playoffs in the first week of the playoffs because they have a bye or the madness of week 17 where there's usually the season's over, there's no playoffs because guys are getting sat. Would you rather go through that instead? So you move the playoffs back one week, so you miss that 13, week 13 bye, but you have that week 17 madness of maybe good players being sat, getting ready for the playoffs. Mm, I'd hate that. I, I think week 17 fantasy in any capacity is bad. And it's, it's one of the reasons, I didn't plan on going down this road, it's not a fantasy show, 
But in my main league that we've had since high school, my only redraft league, the pot goes like 50% to the highest winning total or to the highest points, 35% to the Super Bowl champ, and the rest to the second points leader. Like Super Bowl champ should be the guy that gets the most money. And I read something the other day that one of the most common Super Bowl champ players from last year was Brashad Perryman because somebody picked him up in week 11 and he had three good weeks. You know, like Super Bowl is a little too much luck for me. I want, I think the biggest payout should be the guy with the most points in the end. Yeah, my favorite is the way uh, I do a league that I've been playing in the longest and we've been, you know, working on this for decade over a decade now and getting things perfected. Basically, we have two divisions and it's, it's a big league of, of uh, 16 teams, so two 18 divisions, and the payouts are it's cut into thirds. So each division winner gets a third of the pie, and the Super Bowl champ gets a third of the pie. So if you win the division and the Super Bowl, then you get two thirds of the pie. Okay, so like in your pre-draft meetings, you're looking just like I did with the Browns. You know, how do we beat the Steelers, Ravens, Bengals? You know, you <laughs> right. know your division. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, and you have those <laughs> long-term rivalries that you've built up with those That's players you've cool. been playing with for a long time. It's a good way to do it. Yeah, it is. Um, hopefully this schedule holds up, though. I mean, this one right. that I'm staring at, I hope we get every game exactly where it's placed. And I know nothing about the COVID situation. I know about football. But I tend to think we're going to get it. Now, maybe there won't be. You guys might not be in the stands, you know, slugging your beers and waving your terrible towels or whatever. But um, I have a feeling it's going to be on TV when scheduled. Let's talk about those specific games. What do we like? The best matchups, the initial thoughts here from the 2020 schedule next. This episode is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Built Bars are tasty and Built Bars are healthy. If you're looking for that energy, you need a snack. This is ideal. It tastes good, but it's not heavy. It's not going to get stuck in your teeth. You can power one down and go do whatever you need to do. If it's work, if it's a workout, high in protein, low in sugar, that I, I can't stress this enough. Low in sugar. It's not dessert. It's actually good for you. But it tastes so good. It's like, how is there only 110 calories, four grams of sugar in this thing? This morning, trying to get some podcasts going, didn't have breakfast. So I went with the mint brownie delight, which was fantastic. Only 110 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only four grams of sugar. So low calorie, low sugar, low carb, but high in protein, high in fiber, exactly what you need in a snack. And the best part is if you go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code Locked On. That's one word, Locked On, for $10 off and build your own box at BuiltBar.com. Matt, you said you are a football analyst, not as much a schedule analyst, but you did mention to me off the air that you uh, you you looked at some schedule analyzing folks, some people smarter than you or you and I. One of those being Warren Sharp, right? That has a different way of of determining strength of schedule. I'm very interested in that, and I want to get to that before we move on to those top ten defenses right away. Was there any big takeaways for you with this schedule? Uh, I do have a few notes here on, on some games I like. And actually, I want to start with this. There's two new stadiums opening this year in the NFL, Los ah, Angeles yeah. and Las Vegas. So the Rams get to open SoFi Stadium. And this is rough for the Chargers. They're going to be little brother forever in the stadium, right? Rams get first shot. They get to play at home first in week one. Uh, looks like the Dallas Cowboys and the Rams week one, first Sunday night of the season at SoFi Stadium. Then week two, Chargers get to host the Chiefs, which is a rough 
opener for the Chargers in SoFi Stadium in Week 2. And then in Week 2, also, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas opens, the Raiders hosting the Saints. Monday Night Football opener there for Allegiant Stadium Week 2. That's fun. That's very fun. Uh, One thing I always look at, too, is who is that poor sap that has to go to the Super Bowl champs on Thursday night in Kansas City? Do you think that place is going to be wound up? If there's fans, obviously. But that's the Texans. Ouchie mama. It's always a good team, and I always feel like you chalk up a loss now to a good team. Whoever has to go to Thursday night Super Bowl champs. That's yeah, that's nasty. tough. They're passing out rings and stuff, and everyone's oh, all man. hyped up. That And actually, that's the game. So September 10th, Thursday night, even if you're a Texans fan, it might be a rough, uh, a rough go for you, a rough draw to go face the champs Thursday night to open the season, but that's the game everyone's hoping that that can be played, that, whether yeah. there's fans in the stand, stands or not. September 10th, Thursday, Chiefs hosting the Texans. That is the first game on the NFL schedule. That's the hope that we get to that game, and it happens, and then we're gravy the rest of the way for, for the rest of these matchups. Yeah, if you could just get me there, I'll be awfully happy. No question about it. Um, to be very honest, to pull back the curtain, I hosted a Steelers show from 8 to 10 last night when the schedule came out. You know, big Steeler release show. So I haven't looked around the league all that much at some of the fun games and the Monday nighters and the idiosyncrasies, and I will. But one cool one I did see was New England in week 13 goes to the Chargers, and in week 14 they go to the Rams. So... They might just camp out in L.A. for the week, man. You know, just hang out. In your, you're playing the same stadium and across the country two weeks in a row. Yeah. Uh, the 49ers have one of those, too. They go to the oh, Jets the Jets and Giants week two and three. Oh, I see that. That's cool. Yeah. So, and the 49ers have been I doing that. They've, they've been staying over um, on their East Coast trips when they do have back-to-backs. And so that's something they've been doing. And I think it works out really well for teams is because there's so much travel. The 49ers, and, and actually speaking of travel, I saw that the team with the, the least amount of travel is the Baltimore Ravens. After week two, the furthest they go west is, I think, Houston, central time zone. Like, they don't travel west at all the, the rest of the season after week two or three. So, and they have the fewest travel miles of anybody, 6,000 teams like the 49ers, Rams, Chargers, Seahawks. They'll, they'll have 6,000 miles in two weeks. So yeah. um, that's that's pretty crazy that the difference in travel, the team with the most travel miles, I think is the Seahawks around 30,000 miles. Ravens only have 6,000 travel miles. So all those West Coast teams I mentioned, 25 to 30,000 travel miles. And, and that's that makes a big difference. It's tough on those West Coast teams to make those long East Coast trips. So that's why teams stay over and and you don't want to have you don't want to have the minimal amount of, of jet lag, and you almost have like a week of training camp as you hang out uh, away from home for an extra week. Uh, speaking of those Buccaneers, you mentioned one of four teams that have five primetime games, so you can tell what teams mm-hmm. the NFL thinks are going to be important this year. And the Buccaneers only had one primetime game last year; they've got five this year. The 49ers, Ravens, and Patriots all have five primetime games as well, which is the most. And the Bills have four, I believe, after having only one last year. And it's 49ers, Bills, Monday Night Football, I believe week 13. So the Buffalo Bills on the come up as well. That's good stuff. And some of them will get flexed to Sunday nights as we go. The most you're allowed to have is five. So, um, again, on that Steelers show, they only had four. They almost always have five, but they could get flexed to a fifth. So could some of these other teams. Um, A couple nuggets while you were talking there. I wonder, you know, with that Niner Patriot thing we said where they're playing back-to-back games in the same stadium across the country, 
I would bet if you're on one of the coasts, you would recommend you would like request that. I mean, that would be smart. That's much better than yes. going back and forth. Right. I'd much rather have them back to back, like you said, and just stay in the hotel. You know, make it almost like training camp. Just go to the the facility. You know, go to the practice facility every day. Come home when you're done. Make it a business trip. Maybe hang out by the pool a little from time to time too. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the air miles traveled because that's something I just haven't looked up yet. If you have it, can you email it to me? Because I think that's a big deal. And it, it's it, it hit home because last night the beat reporters we had on the Steelers are much like Baltimore. They very few times they have to ride. You drive, you know, like our our beat reporters like, well, we got to fly to Dallas. But other than that, we could drive to Tennessee. We could drive, you know, and that's big to me. And last year, I think the Raiders set the all time record for most air yards travel because they had to go to London. I mean, they they came east over and over and then they had to go to right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those things are kind of important. They, They wear you down throughout the year. And that's a bonus that there's no international games. So those have been right. canceled. There's no Mexico City, no London this year with those international games. So that does help some teams that might have had to travel quite a bit. But yeah, you factor in London on top of being that West Coast team that has to travel east multiple times. I mean, that's a crazy amount of travel. That's, that's a huge advantage for teams that don't have to travel all that much. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they played in Jacksonville, in London. I mean, like they had a lot of really insane travel days where some teams are, are driving. And it makes a heck of a lot easier. And that's kind of a Warren Sharp thing, which takes me to this new, to to where I wanted to go with this too, just to let people know, like, it makes me insane that big time analysts, NFL Network, ESPN, you know, people where they're getting their NFL news are telling you about strength of schedule based off of last year's win loss records. Like that's so dumb. (laughs) Yeah, we we know the the one thing we know (laughs) is it's not going to be the same. The Patriots aren't the same team, you know, like, the Steelers are going to have Big Ben. I mean, there's been a lot of change with these rosters. They're not the same teams. I mean, so what Warren does, and go to Sharp Football Stats to check this out. He's been a guest on the show way back when. I'd love to have him back on. He uses Vegas's over-under win total. And, folks, sometime before things will open, we will make our picks on that too. So he goes and looks at every opponent of every team and factors in what Vegas expects those opponents to do this year, which is much more realistic than what they did last year. Absolutely. Much more realistic and still, I mean, we never know. The the, the league is so crazy, and those things will get adjusted by Vegas. But uh, people with skin in the game, people with a lot of money riding on it, I'll trust them over last year's win-loss percentage. (laughs) Right. I mean, the, the Patriots total of what they're expected to win this year is a lot different than last year with Tom Brady. I mean, that's just one example and there's many, or, you know, I mean, don't you think the Bengals might be a little better this year? I mean, there's so many examples, but I'm looking at his strength of schedule chart here based on those numbers. And he's a lunatic and updated them like every two days because Vegas lines might change by half of game here and there. And here are the guys that the, and you, you can see them all here, and I've retweeted this a few times too. So check out at Williamson NFL to see if yourself. But he has the Colts with by far the easiest schedule. That's interesting. The Colts, and yeah. they have a—they don't have an easy division. They've got some pretty good teams in the division, but they don't have necessarily the best teams in the NFL in their division either. Right, and some of these are important that they don't have to play themselves. You know, like. 
the Bills, Jets, yeah. and Miami always had to play the Patriots, so their schedule will be tougher than New England's because New England didn't have to play New England back in the day. But um, and the other thing, what's important here too, and again, I'm going to repeat this four thousand times between now and training camp opens. This is rainbows and unicorn time when we think all teams are good, but the reality is right. they aren't. And they just drafted uh, seven Pro Bowlers with their rookie class. Right. Yeah. And the guy that shattered his knee last year, he'll come back and he'll be fine. And this is my favorite line that analysts use, and I'm sure it's falling out of my mouth too. Well, well, they'll definitely be healthier next year. Really? You know that? <laughs> I mean, no one gets hurt next year? You hear that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's <laughs> going to play 16 games, and yeah, the the right. someone's going to break their leg on the first play of training camp. And actually, here we go. So less than three months from now, Matt, Hall of Fame game, Steelers in, in Dallas, August 6th. Thursday, August 6th. Can we get to that game? I mean, that one's like, whew, yeah. that one just doesn't seem very likely. And we talked about September 10th as the first week. What about the first preseason game? Uh, obviously that would be the easiest one to not play, but August 6th, less than three months away from an actual football game to be played if all of these do get played. Okay, final thoughts on the schedule, and we'll get to Matt Williamson's top 10 defenses in the NFL in 2020. Guys and gals, start the competition today with people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl, so celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it's Reese Witherspoon's book club's pick for May. Then, anytime in May, post a picture of your Mother's Day recipient holding the ebook or book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author at the Alkajoshi. A donation of four meals per post, up to 10,000 meals, will go to Feeding America. So, guys and gals, buy the henna artist today at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Target, and make mom the ultimate winner in your family. Any favorite matchups for you, Matt, on the schedule before we move on to the top 10 defenses in the NFL? I don't, but maybe we could look at that for next week. I did just want to mention the handful of teams on Warren's chart that have the easiest and hardest, though. Yes, let's look at it. Here we go. I said the Colts are by far number one, followed by Tennessee at two, Cleveland at three, Baltimore at four, Rams at five, Bears at six, Steelers at seven, Lions at eight are the, 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 the top quarter of easiest schedules. Here's the hardest ones, counting down from hardest to easiest. Atlanta, ouch. Giants, Jets, Raiders, Denver at 28th, Carolina at 27th, the Chargers, and Washington has the 25th easiest schedule. So those eight are the ones that are have the toughest road ahead of them in terms of what Vegas expects from their opponents. It's crazy how much Tom Brady changed all of that. Right now, the NFC South is the toughest division in football. And all yeah. those teams have really tough schedules. Yeah, you're right. And it dep- I'm not sure what they, you know, what, what the other divisions they line up to play against. But it always seemed like New England had the easiest schedule in the league. I mean, year after year. And they just missed. They have the 24th easiest schedule in the league this year. So yeah, people are expecting a little more from the, the rivals in the East, I think, too. 
All right, we'll get more into our favorite yeah. matchups in the 2020 season as we cross our fingers that all these games will be played. How about your top 10 defenses, Matt? Let's uh, let's go through the honorable mentions from 6 to 10 really quick and then get into the top five. All righty, and some of these at the bottom are a little rough. I mean, I have the Jets at 10. I just want to say that, boy, their offense often put them in really, really bad situations, and I thought the defense held up pretty well. I have the Chargers at 9. Not a lot of consistency, but a lot of big play players. So and maybe the best is yet to come for the Chargers. Denver at eight. I think getting Chubb back helps a lot. And I think coaching is very, very important to that defense. The Bears at seven. Um, do I think it's an elite defense? No, but I think it's a darn good one. And Khalil Max a handful. And now you had Quinn. I think they're a little better up front. That front seven's nasty. And I got the Bucks at six, and I say this all the time. I mean, they were the 29th most scored upon defense last year. And so, Williamson, why are you putting them at six? But per football outsiders, they were their fifth-ranked DVOA defense, which just shows you when Winston throws 30 picks, it's hard to keep people out of the end zone. It was amazing. It, it was pretty obvious. Yeah. The Buccaneers and the Steelers were the two teams where the offense was hurting the defense so bad. And you mentioned the Jets yeah. is one of those, too. And and I like that sort of sleeper pick for you there with the New York Jets. And we'll see what happens with uh, Quinn and Williams. And, and that's a big key to their defense going forward. Um, they've had some pieces as well. But, yeah, th- when the offense doesn't help you out, it's really hard when you're just looking at the score of the games and you're looking at yards and you're looking at points to separate those things because uh, the offense has a massive effect on how good a defense can play. Yeah, absolutely. So you do have to judge them each in their own bubble. And of course I'm factoring in how they've improved this year too. This isn't the, uh, the, the strength of schedule conversation of they were good last year. So they're good this year, you know, so I am looking ahead as well. And you'll see that in the top five a little bit here too. All right. Well, let's get to the top five. Who's your number five defense going into 2020. I think all our listeners realize there's a top three and both of our teams are in it. Um, four and five to me, I thought kind of stood above the bucks, but I wasn't sure who I wanted to put ahead of those two. I went with Buffalo at five and Baltimore at four. And I think Baltimore adding Calais Campbell and more pass rush and more front seven talent so they don't have to lead the league in blitz percentage by a super wide margin next year is really going to pay off for them. And that that's what put me over the edge. But I thought the Bills had the better defense last year. Number three, as, as people can imagine, the top three are all very similar. And because of, I'm just going to go from one to three. I put the Patriots one because the numbers they put up were just so grotesquely good for the first 12 weeks or so. And, you know, the turnovers they created, they were scoring more points on defense, you know, than anybody. It was crazy, but their level of competition was very weak. So I just want to throw that out there. I put the Steelers over the Niners because I wanted to get under your skin. But I really had no other good reason for it. Uh, yeah, we can have some good arguments. I mean, we don't have enough time to get into that one on today's show. I like you dropping that in at the very end. Um, but, I mean, look, I, I I don't have a problem with that. The 49ers lost one of the biggest pieces on their defense. And year to year, you have to prove that you have that consistency. Um, I 
And, and look, the Steelers are scary. They're downright scary yeah. across the board, every level. Like, where is the Steelers' weakness where you're like, okay, I'm an offensive coordinator going to play Pittsburgh. I'm going to attack this. Yeah, I agreed. And I've said that a lot, you know, obviously on different airwaves, but I think more so than I can remember a Steelers defense, but maybe more so than any other defense in the league, I think they have the fewest holes. You know, like it, it used to be, Ryan Shazier got hurt. You're going to attack those linebackers. Well, now Bush is roaming the middle of the field, and they're pretty darn good. And including the Minka, the including the Minka pick, which is really the first round pick. I think it's been eight or nine years in a row that their first round pick has been on defense, and it's paying off. They got a lot of speed and athleticism. The Steelers would have picked 18, right, in the draft this yes, year. Yes. That was the Dolphins pick, and That's wow, the Austin Jackson pick, and that was. The, that was the cliff, right? That was the the value cliff yeah. that we talked about in the first round falling off. I'll take Minka all day over that selection. Times 100, yeah. And the beauty of it was you didn't have to give him your his signing bonus. He's very, very cost-controlled. You know, he doesn't hurt your cap. You can still add the fifth-year option, which I'm sure they'll do. So it allows him to do more, and he's really, really good. Um, one note, though, for your Niners, they were the only team that were in my top five on both sides of the ball. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, I lie. Baltimore was. Oh, Baltimore, too. Yeah, very yeah. different offenses. But, man, those teams are scary. And there, there are some reasons why teams are going to be good every year. And I would lean more toward the defensive side of the ball as to why. And the 49ers, a lot is made about Kyle Shanahan's offense and his mastermind in the running game there. And whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo put 48 points up on the board like he did against the Saints last year and only ran the ball eight times and, and win a playoff game. The, the 49ers run last year was led by the strength of their defensive line. So when you see keeping a strength, the strength, that's why they drafted Javon Kinlaw to replace DeForest Buckner. The defensive line ran things last year for the 49ers. And if I'm building a franchise, uh, that's probably the way I would try to do things as well. Because it was as we saw it with the Steelers, too. That's why these teams are at the top. The Steelers defense carried that team, that team, okay. that team's offense. They had no business winning eight games. And the reason why the Patriots aren't going to fall off a cliff like everyone projects, there's no Tom Brady, but they still got Bill Belichick. Absolutely right. And two little analytic notes there is one thing I, well, I agree with everything you said, to be very honest with you, but football outsiders have been doing this many, many years, and they very much believe that offense is more predictive year to year than defense. And I assume that's if you, because the quarterback is so important. Right. I assume that's why. And that's the thing is, so you have the coach and the quarterback on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball, it's more about the bullets that you have everywhere. The offense dictates where the ball goes. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing analytics is telling us more and more, that frankly I'm not on board with, is you build with cover men and corners, not defensive front people. But your Niners are the perfect example. I know the Patriots and Ravens are more coverage than they are front seven. Um, the Steelers are more front seven. The Niners are way more front seven. I want big, menacing human beings that are super close to the line of scrimmage and that are an arm length away from Tom Brady. I'm still building with D-line. Yep. I want Bama. I want hockey lines like Bama's D-line <laughs> coming in waves. And we got to go right here, but I think we should yeah. leave it on that note. I want to affect the other team's quarterback. Because that helps everybody on defense. The best corners are still going to get beat if the opposing quarterback has all day to throw. And I'm going to stick by this. This is my thing. I want to trademark it. I look at defensive backs this day and age, not trying to get a shutdown guy over here, and then cross your fingers on the other side. 
I look at it as you're, and I'm counting five, I'm counting that nickel corner. I look at it like an offensive line. You need five sound players out there. You don't want a weak hole, just like when you're building an offensive line. Uh, that's the way I look at yeah. it now for secondaries in the NFL. I want the stud pass rusher first, and then maybe I would draft five defensive backs in a row after that. I want five sound guys back there. Yeah, you say that a lot, and I think it's a good point. And I think now it even goes for linebackers. You know, like I mentioned, when the Steelers lost Shazier and they had two slow guys out there, it was slot guys and tight ends just peppering the middle of the field over and over, too. So you might even need seven of them. Yeah, when you when you consider your coverage linebackers, we're seeing linebackers get smaller and smaller in the mm-hmm. NFL for that reason, yeah. And when the pass rush can make all five, seven of those guys better, that's why I'm putting the most money in the pass rush. And it, it takes a lot of capital, a lot of draft capital, a lot of money on the defensive side of the ball, which is uh, why I said, like, that's that's where I'm putting most of my resources. If you get your quarterback and your coach, you can uh, scheme up an offense. Yeah, and I think your point, which I agree with, is I would rather have five to seven B-level coverage players than Deion Sanders and the Pips. Right, exactly. Just like an offensive line. If you've got a big yeah. hole at center and he's getting dominated by Aaron Donald all day, that's going to wreck your entire offense no matter how good your left tackle is. Yep, 100% true. All right, we got to go here. Good stuff, Matt. We will be back next week, Monday, talking more about the schedule, some of our favorite matchups that I hope we do get to see in the 2020 season. More guests inside and outside the network right here, Locked on NFL.